Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. To lead us into today's anniversary celebration, we have walked through this series that we've called Learn, Live, Look. Learn, Live, Look. We're learning from the past, we're living in the now, and we're looking to the future. In the first week of this series, we looked at two enemies from your past that you need to be aware of. The first one being your failures. You got to be aware of that. And the second one being your successes. And they both can hinder your present and dictate your future. So you've got to be careful with your past failures and your past successes. Like Elisha, we must be willing to leave the past in order to walk with God into the divine destiny that he has for our lives. You've got to learn from the past, but don't lean on it. It cannot support you. You learn from it, but you move forward. Last week, we looked at our current circumstances and how they did not catch God by surprise. How many of you know coronavirus did not catch God by surprise? Some of you are still not convinced of that. <laughs> Go back and listen to last week. I said COVID-19 did not catch God by surprise. Amen? Amen. 2020 did not catch him off guard. We're right where God knew that we would be. And as a church... We are right where God knew that we would be. Elisha knew that his mentor, Elijah, was about to depart this life. And, and though he was in the middle of some very disappointing circumstances, losing his mentor, he stayed close enough to the man of God to receive a transferable anointing. We talked about that a little bit last week, but it was a transferable anointing. And, and what's interesting to me about that story is that there were 50 young prophets that, that stood and watched from a distance. But Elisha was close enough to his mentor, to the man of God, to see him be taken up into heaven. And that's what Elijah told Elisha. He said, if you are with me when I depart this world, if you're with me, he said, you're going to receive that which you want, which is a double portion. I told you last week, don't despise the now season that you are in. It's in that moment that the miraculous happens. You understand that. Uh, you, you just can't take a, a leap. You just can't you know, travel through the, into the future from the past. You have to live through the now. And somewhere in the middle of the now, the miraculous takes place. And today on our 14th anniversary, we're going to look to the future, both personally and corporately. We're going to look to the future and what that means for us. I got to thinking about being 14 years old. And at 14 years old, most of us in the room, we left the middle school and went to high school. How many of you are thankful that we left the middle school? Literally, we left the middle school of Newberry, the Panther Palace, and now we have a home to call our own. At 14 years old, 14-year-old 14 Rocky, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister to some of the 14, 15, the, the young teens in the room right now, but 14-year-old um, Rocky had to wash his face every night to fight acne. I did. It was, it was a little bit of a battle, especially when I started shaving and I thought I was ready to shave. I wish I would have never started shaving because uh, it, it just irritated my skin. And so every night uh, when I was you know, of that age, 14 and, and give or take a few years before and after, I would have to like, wash my face every night just fighting acne. And 14-year-old and Rocky, I remember I made this horrible decision one time because one of my favorite rock stars... He had, he had hair long in the back, and he decided that he, well, I don't know if he decided this, but his hair just had these curls. And uh, so I decided I needed some curls because my hair is super straight. 
and I needed some curls. So I let my mom talk me into going down to one of her, her friends at her beauty salon, and they put an S-curl perm in my hair. So my, my, my natural locks that were just hanging off the back, they all became really tight up against my head back here. They were, it was not a good decision. Bad, bad call for 14-year-old Rocky. 14-year-old Rocky um, had a desire to play basketball. I loved it. I watched it on TV. I loved basketball. I had brothers that played basketball, and I had a desire to play, and I did. I made the JV team in ninth grade, but, man, I didn't have the skill to play. Not then. I, I do now. You want to talk trash, we'll get on the court. But, but I, who am I kidding? I can't run up and down the court anymore. But, but 14-year-old Rocky had a desire to play basketball, but I didn't have the skill. 14-year-old Rocky did not think for one moment that he would be in ministry one day. Growing up in a pastor's home, I wanted nothing to do with it. I had seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'd watched what my dad had had to go through and live through. Didn't want anything to do with it. And so at 14, I had no desire to be in ministry, much less be a pastor. At 14, we all have this desire to be great. We don't really truly understand what greatness is, but we have a desire to seek it. We, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of what greatness looks like. And at, at 14, I think I define greatness as something along the lines of Larry Bird, Def Leppard, and a Ford Bronco II. That was like my dream car. I had to settle for a GMC Jimmy. But, but I wanted that Ford Bronco II. And that's what greatness looked like to me and now at 45, soon be 46 years old, I define greatness completely different. How many of you are thankful that with age comes maturity? And man, I think about some of you that have been here for, for many years, and um, I want to say thank you for allowing me and allowing our staff to mature. Because I know that when we first started, man, we, we acted like we had it all together. It's, it was one of those fake it till you make it situations. And we acted like we had it all together, and, 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 and we did some things from time to time, and, and it worked. But man, there were some big failures along the way, too. And, and I just appreciate the grace that was offered with that, that we all kind of grew up together. That's what happened with our church. We all just kind of grew up together. And I'm, I'm thankful that today, as we have matured as a church body, we define greatness different than how we used to. To be great in the kingdom of God, it always starts with learning how to serve in the now. If you want to see greatness in your life, don't wait for it. Serve your way into it. Because it begins with serving in the now. Don't miss the opportunity of this moment. I know sometimes we grow weary, we grow tired. I know sometimes uh, uh, we, we have an attitude because someone hurt us or someone said something about us or, or, or didn't follow through for us. But don't miss the opportunity of serving in the now, whether it be in your church or with your, in your home or on your job. Learn to serve in the now. Don't miss this opportunity that we have because you don't become great in the kingdom of God by talking about how great you are. That's, that's immaturity, and we've done it. I'm telling you, we've done it even as a church. We've talked about how great we are, but it shows immaturity. And, 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 and even during second service, when we take in new covenant members, I, I'll say something along these lines. We're not the greatest church, but we're a great church. And I believe that we are. 
But don't let that be the definition of who we are. Don't, don't let it be us talking about who we are. To become great in the kingdom of God, you have to allow his greatness to shine through you. And that happens through serving humanity. Jesus said it in Matthew 23 and 11. He said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. In Mark 9 and 35, it says, and he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, listen to his words, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So you put yourself last and you serve everyone. Matthew 20 and 28 says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is what greatness is. If you want to define greatness in the kingdom of God, it begins with a heart like Christ where you learn how to serve in the now, in this moment. We're going to be reading out of 2 Kings chapter 3 this morning. 2 Kings chapter 3. And when we last looked at Elisha, he had just picked up the mantle of his mentor Elijah. And he walks over and he does the only thing that he knows to do with that mantle, that, that, that cloak. That, that coat that was laid over him. He does the only thing that he knows to do with it. He picks it up after Elijah ascends to heaven. And he takes it and he does exactly what he saw his mentor did. Uh, and, and he walks over and he hits the Jordan River and it parts. And he begins walking across and there's 50 young prophets on the other side. Who, by the way, probably should have been next in line according to their calculations. According to what they knew, they had been studying to be a prophet. And so if someone is going to pick up the mantle, if someone's going to follow in his footsteps, they certainly qualify more than Elisha did. He was just a servant. But God and Elijah knew something that they didn't know and that this young man had a heart to serve. Now we fast forward about a year after he sees his mentor depart into heaven, after he parts the Jordan and he walks across we fast forward about a year, and he is adapting to his new role as a prophet of God in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And when they had made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Moab, understand this king's cry. He's, he's in despair right now. It looks bad. And Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said, said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. So this guy's really having a pity party. He's saying God has sent us, these three armies, to die. Verse 14 says, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I, before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. <laughs> I love this. It means they're about to have church, y'all. 
He says, bring me a musician. This guy has, in one year in, he has adapted. He knows. Let me tell you, when it gets to that point in the sermon, I'm going to close my Bible in a few minutes, and Tim's going to step up to this keyboard. Bring me a musician, because we're about to drive this point home, okay? He knows exactly what he's doing. Elisha says, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he says, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. I love that he, the Bible points that out to us. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. And you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop, all, stop up all springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The next morning... About the time of the offering of offering the sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom till the country was filled with water. I want you to notice something with me, church, about, about this text this morning, because I want you to notice that King Jehoshaphat was inquiring about a prophet. Does anybody know a prophet I can I can rent for a little while? A prophet that I can borrow. You know, I just I need someone that can hear from heaven because us, these these three armies that have come together. We're, we're thirsting to death. We're, we're going to die out here, and, and we've got a battle on our hands. We can't drink. Our animals can't drink. And he says, does anybody know of a prophet? Does anybody know a prophet that we can call, a man of God that we can call so that maybe he can offer up a prayer for us? And in verse 11, it describes Elisha in such a unique way. When someone speaks up and says, hey, I know a prophet, I know someone we can call. I've got his business card. Let me call this guy for you. Here's how they describe him. He said, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king of Israel's servants answered. Here's what he says. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. The only way he knows how to describe Elisha a prophet. He holds the office. He has the title. The only way that he knows how to describe him is that this guy, he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And everybody knew who Elijah was. The only way they can describe him is that at one time, he used to wash the prophet's hands. One day when they described me, I pray that my greatest accomplishment will not be that of the founding pastor of Destiny Community Church, that it will not be the title of, of pastor, bishop, or even city commissioner. I pray that that's not what I'm remembered for. My greatest accomplishment in the kingdom of God is when I pick up a broom and sweep. Andrew, when the toilet overflows, and you have to clean it up. My greatest accomplishment is when I have to set up chairs for children's church. When I have to run cables for the sound system.
thus far, I think my shining moment at Destiny Community Church has been when we were portable. Because I was forced to serve every week. Setting up. Tearing down. This week, my mom and I had to have a conversation about dad's headstone that's going to go on his grave. We decided that we're going to put God's bigger than what's the matter. But it made me think about, amen, it made me think about my headstone one day. What's it going to say? I pray that you do not put founding pastor of DCC on there, although I'm proud of it. Because God's looking for real servants, not rock stars. And church, I don't ever want you to be misled. I stand now on a very permanent stage with lights and cameras and everything pointing my direction. But this does not make me great in the kingdom of God. My wife will tell you that I'm not a person that needs many words of affirmation. But after a really tough week, something happened yesterday. Where one person put a post up and just an appreciation for what God has done at DCC, and it specifically called me out in the post in a good way. It started a trend. Somebody saw it. They decided they would do something very similar, and then the next person, and then the next, and then the next. And my Facebook was just blowing up yesterday of something that, from all indications, happened, happened very organically. To an outsider, I thought about it about midday yesterday because it, it was extreme. And I really thought somebody had put people up to it. I really did. It, good intentions, but I thought, man, somebody recognized that the pastor had a bad week and they just, they want to just, you know, edify and strengthen me. To an outsider, it probably looked like we were a cult and, uh, too much credit was given, being given to the pastor. And trust me when I say this, church, I don't deserve any of those words said about me. I'm not special. I'm not special. I'm not, I'm not any more special than you are. And um, I don't deserve to be put on a pedestal by any means in any way. But one thing that did bless me in, in reading all that, and I don't want to make it sound like I was ungrateful, it renewed my spirit. God knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. But the one thing that happened while I was reading is that some of those instances had slipped my mind. There were people that were saying things that, that I had done that it took me a moment to remember what I had done. I remember one time Mayor Marlowe was given a, a State of the City address at the municipal building. And in his State of the City address, he, he talked about a sermon he had heard me preach many years ago about 
sowing into someone else's dream. If you've been around here before, you know that, that that's a common theme here. We want to sow into someone else's dream in order to see our dream come to pass. It's scriptural. And as he was talking, he, he talked about an instance that had happened probably 10 years earlier where he said that we had put a roof on another church here in Newberry. And I looked over at my wife and I went, I think he's got us confused with someone. And it took me a minute to realize that we did. There was a church here in Newberry that, but that's kind of, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. We completely forgot. I had no idea. I was like, did we, did we do that? Serving is, is basically being in the right place at the right time to help someone, to pray with someone, to offer financial help to someone, or just encourage someone. And if we've done anything right as a church, we've done that. I don't need to be told that I'm the greatest preacher. But one day I want to be remembered for the way that I served humanity. One day I want this church to be known for the way that we serve each other and those outside of the walls of this church. I'll soon be 46 years old. The way I figured it, I've lived over half my life. For those of you that are advanced and aged, I apologize for all the feelings that has brought to you. But I figured I've lived over half my life. How do I want to be remembered? And I think that's a question that you should ask yourself. How do you want to be remembered? Let's go back to that day that Elisha lost his mentor. Was it selfish for Elisha to ask for a double portion? Because that's, that's what he did. He didn't say, I want to be as great as you are. He said, I want to be twice as great as you are. And he asked for a double portion. And from all indications, it looks like a very selfish desire. I mean, really? You're about to lose this man? Your mentor is about to, to leave this world? And that's what you want to say to this old man? I want to be twice as good as you were? I want a double portion? Was it selfish? Not at all. As far as we know, there was no Mrs. Elijah. There, there was no EJ. Elijah Jr. And according to Old Testament law, the firstborn was to get a double portion of the inheritance. As we talked about last week, that was not his blood father, but it was a father figure in his life. And asking for a double portion, it was actually a sign of respect to him. He was telling Elijah, you are like a father to me. I want to be like your firstborn son. I want a double portion of the inheritance. I want you to know, Elijah, that you mean this to me. I, 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 I cannot go on with my life without you knowing before you leave this earth that you are a father to me. And if you remember, he even cried out as Elijah was, was being taken away. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. My father, my father. He, he cried out to Elijah. You're a father to me. And how 
how significant is it that Elisha tore his clothes apart in that moment as we read last week? It says that he picked up that mantle and he tore his clothes apart. You know Isaiah 64 and 6, it says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. When he tore his clothes apart, he was saying, under my own ability and under my own power, under my own anointing, I can't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. And he tore his, his, his filthy rags, his clothes apart. Knowing that if I can somehow just obtain the anointing and the power of God, I can do great things. But I cannot do it under my own ability. If you tally up all of the miracles that Elijah performed, and this is, this is not new. This has been preached many times. But if, if you tally all of the miracles that the mentor performed under the power of God, it comes out to a total of eight total miracles. Eight miracles that Elijah performed. Elisha prayed for a double portion. I don't know in his prayer. I mean, I know it was out of respect for Elijah. You're like a father to me. I want to be your son. I don't know in his prayer if he actually knew what he was asking. I don't know if he he contemplated what what, what that meant. If he performed eight, then then I want to perform 16. I I doubt that that's what he was thinking during that moment. But, But what is so interesting is that Elisha's ministry begins to look a lot like Elijah's ministry. And and the only thing that that was really different here was that if you read about Elijah, you'll understand that Elijah battled depression. His entire ministry, Elijah battled depression. Think about it. Mount Carmel, he calls down fire from heaven. It consumes the sacrifice, the altar, the water around it, and all the prophets of Baal. They all die. And in that moment, this man, instead of rejoicing in victory, he runs to a cave to hide from Jezebel. This man battled depression, but he continued to invest in a young Elisha. Parents, listen to me. Those of you that are in the room that are teachers of of, of younger students under you, mentors in the room, listen. We have our own struggles, but if we will play our cards right and we will put the, 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 the right faith in the right person and the right uh, uh, God, if, if we will do what we're supposed to do and we will teach a generation coming behind us, they'll be better than what we, we are. They will become better. I want my kids to operate under a different anointing than I do because I don't want them having the same insecurities that I have. I don't want them battling some of the same mindsets that I have to get past. I want them walking sure-footed in their, in their faith in Christ. And, and, and that is one thing that I believe that, that Elijah accomplished with Elisha because this young man, he walks across that Jordan River and he starts living in the now moments of that ministry. But his ministry looked a lot like Elijah's, just with more confidence. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted on the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. It's so interesting to me, church, that Elisha's first miracle performed was Elijah's last miracle that was performed. He picked up right where his mentor left off. And then he just starts living in the now. Don't miss this, church. Listen to me. He starts living in the now. He's not worried about how great he's going to be, how they're going to write about him one day. He's not worried about any of that. He doesn't even know that this is going to be a thing. He just trusts God. And he lives in the now. And he just serves in the now. He gets to Jericho shortly after this. And their water source is bad. 
And and he purifies the water for those people. He performs a miracle there. When the army of Israel was struggling of thirst, he called forth water into the land. When a widow was down to her last jar of oil, he multiplied the oil so that her and her sons could sell it and they could survive. When the Shunammite woman longed for a child, he prophesied that this time next year you will have a son. And she did. And later in life, as that child grew up and became older, he died. Elisha shows up and he raises him from the dead. When Naaman, who was the commander of the army of the king of Syria, and he was covered in leprosy, Elisha commanded him, you go down to the Jordan River, because he knows that the Jordan River is a place of transformation. I told you last week, you walk into it in one season, you come out in a different season. He told him, he said, Naaman, you go down to that muddy Jordan River. You dip seven times, and when you do, you'll be healed of this leprosy. He did, and it was. It happened. When a young prophet lost a borrowed axe head, this this is the, the amazing part of it. There was nothing that was too small for this man. When a young prophet is cutting down trees and he loses an axe head and, and it goes flying off into the water, Elisha goes over and he says, show me where it went in. He points it out and he begins praying and the axe head begins floating so that this man could, could return a borrowed axe head, a borrowed axe to someone that he borrowed it from. Nothing that was too, too small for him to pray about. When Samaria was surrounded by the Syrian army and they were allowing no food in and out of the city and they were starving to death in Samaria, they had even resorted to cannibalism is what the Bible says. They were eating their children. This, this, was, this was just, just, just bad times. Dire straits, it was so bad. And Elisha looked at them and he prophesied that they would have food by tomorrow. And it happened. During the life of Elisha, he performed 15 total miracles. One shy of doubling what his mentor Elijah did. Oh, so close. That would have been such a great story, right? 2 Kings chapter 13. Verse 20 and 21. couldn't help but think about this during worship this morning. We're going to sing this song, I believe, in a minute, but I, I'm just going to mess up y'all's lyrics, okay? Y'all just get ready. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Even if I am dead, God's not done. Y'all sing it the way it's written, okay? Don't try and change it on the fly. You sing it the way it's written, but even if I'm not dead, God's not done. Even if I am dead, God's not done. Verse 20, then Elisha died. And was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, as soon as the body of this dead man touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Man, would I have loved to have seen that through a webcam in that cave because I don't want to be there to see that. (laughs) I've heard of scaring the life out of someone, but those bones, they scared the life into someone. And in that moment, it was 16 miracles, an exact double portion of Elijah's anointing on his life. 16 recorded miracles. Even after he died, his legacy still helped people. 
even after he breathed his last breath on this earth, he helped someone. Greatness is not this one-time event. And I think that's what some of us are praying for. It's like, God, if I can just have that touch, if, if you can just do this right now in this moment, if you'll just make me great, I'll live for you forever. And double portion anointing doesn't come in just one moment. Double portion anointing comes through a series of decisions. It becomes a lifestyle of being faithful every day, every morning. You wake up every morning and you decide, today, I'm going to serve God. And it doesn't matter how bad that day goes. You wake up the next morning and you say the same thing. Today, I'm going to serve God. And it may be a victorious day, but don't get caught up in your successes. Because tomorrow's coming and you got to wake up the next morning. And you don't put your faith in you. I don't put my faith in me. I have to learn to put my faith in him on a good day, on a bad day, on a day that I don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to turn out. In this moment, I've got to make that decision because greatness is not a one-time event. You don't receive that, that, that anointing all at once. Greatness is an accumulation over time. It's choosing to serve God then, now, and I know I'm going to serve him there. Elisha achieved greatness over time by simply serving in the now. He didn't know every morning when he woke up whether or not it was going to be a miracle day or not. He just got up and he obeyed God. He ended up being in the right place at the right time when there were people who were in need. And then he would pray. And he would just believe that God was going to show up. Because he, has a good, he had a good mentor in his life that taught him that. Don't look to the future church as this miracle bailout plan of, of, of your current circumstances. Look to the future as a legacy that you're going to leave. But don't live there. Don't live there. Live right here. Live in this moment. I'll tell you what we've got to do. We've got to learn to, we've got to learn to live looking at our legacy. What am I going to be remembered for? As I look back over the past 14 years, I realize that we have made a difference. Church, we have made a difference. Through God's faithfulness and our willingness. We've made a huge impact. I made a statement in our very first inaugural service in September of 2006 that has stuck with me for years. I said during that service, if we cease to exist tomorrow, will Newberry miss us? I've learned now that my vision was very small. Because now, my question to us is, 
if we cease to exist tomorrow, will Newberry miss us? Will Trenton miss us? Will Archer miss us? Will High Springs miss us? Will Cross City miss us? Will Lake City miss us? Will Fort White miss us? Will Gainesville miss us? Will Jonesville miss us? I apologize if I left your community out. Because if we're not living life in a way that causes them to miss us, if we were to cease to exist, we're not living life. And this church has consistently done that through the years. You have grabbed hold of a vision to serve. And you will continue to do that. Because I know your hearts. And I know how you want to see the kingdom of God forcefully advance. And we get to be a part of that. We made a, a bold decision to build this building. And I believe that generations to come will reap from the benefits. You know that long after I'm dead and gone, long after you're dead and gone, unless the Lord calls us home, this will always be a ministry center. Some of you just had babies that will get married right here. We don't stop. I'm excited to tell you, church, that we have an opportunity to serve. Just because we are dealing with uncertain times of COVID-19 does not mean that we stop serving. We hit a hiatus trying to scratch our heads and figure it all out. But November will once again be Serve Month here at DCC. I see some of you are not clapping because you're like, I'm not clapping getting myself into anything that I don't know anything about. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. Starting today, if you go to our app, if you go to our website, you can submit projects for us to review. There's questions in there about, you know, how many people that that project will take, how, how much money approximately it will cost. Submit projects. There is nothing too large, nothing too small. Church, I want you to submit projects starting today for us to review over the next couple of weeks. Because next month, we want to begin signing up for it. We want to, we want to give you opportunities to go and sign up for these, these uh, service projects so that we can continue to reach our community and surrounding communities. Listen, if you don't live in Newberry, you live outside of Newberry, we, we have projects that happen all over this area, all over Springs County. I meant... I meant Western Alachua County. I'm sorry, my bad. The senator's here. I had to get that in. So just, just remember that. Just remember that. Submit projects. Submit projects. Let us know what your neighbors need. Let us know what your school needs. 
tell us what we can do because I want to be a light in darkness. People need to see this right now. People need... There are people that will never pick this thing up and read it. But we get to walk out and live it. Lord, let me be a living Bible. Let me be the living gospel that goes out and shows people the love of Jesus Christ. If we get this right, that's greatness. That's how you define greatness in the kingdom of God. We become servants. And so church, now we're, we're relying on you. Serve month has grown bigger than what I could ever imagine, but we're going to need your help. Submit the projects. Go and look for them. We'll let you know if it's, if it's a dumb idea. We'll tell you. Okay? Submit the projects. Let us filter through them, and, and let's do something great for the kingdom of God. But aren't you excited that we are not canceling serve month, and we are going to get out, and we are going to serve our community and surrounding communities? Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.